Welcome to the Elevate Life podcast channel. We hope this sermon encourages and inspires you so you can go and grow to your next level. For more information about our church, please visit our website, elevate.life. Enjoy the message. Let's make our declarations. If you've never been in the house before, we just speak some things out that we believe are gonna happen and uh, ask you to put your hand over your heart to speak from your heart. And the, the words are on the screen. Say this with me. I declare that I'm created in the image of God. I'm blessed to be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, and take dominion. I declare that 2020 is my year of transformation. Things are not just going to change for the better, but 2020 will be my best year ever. Okay, stop right there for a second. How do you you look at a year like this and think in your mind, this is going to be my best year ever? Because when God does something in you, no matter what's going on out there, it's your best year ever. Come on. So say this with me. I declare that 2020 is double, double for me. Double blessing, double anointing, a double portion of good things in every area of my life. I declare that according to Psalm 6511, that God is crowning my year with goodness and my path will drip with abundance. I declare that as I am taught the Word of God and applied, that I am wonderfully well and blessed and highly favored of the Lord. Come on, can you put your hands together? Thank you so much, you may be seated. So it's, it's really a great honor to be back in the house of God today with you. Thank you so much for being here and for taking your time to be here and what a privilege that we have um, to be able to gather together. And I love Texas and I love the fact that um, that, that God has given us some governance that says on churches, there are no restrictions. And I just love that. So thank you so much. Thank you for being here. Um, today, I'm going to speak a message to you. And I know some of you that may be new with us may or may not understand this, but I'm going to take my pastor hat off and I'm going to put uh, my spiritual leader hat on. And I wanna talk to you as a spiritual leader in the midst of this climate of what's happening in the world today. Uh, I don't wanna talk to you just as a pastor. A lot of churches, and again, many of my friends around the country, they're great pastors and they're great teachers. But according to uh, Barna, who did a leadership research of over uh, 300,000 churches in America, 69% of all pastors polled said that they were in full-time ministry because they felt a call to teach or preach. And so you'll go to some churches and that's what you'll get. You'll get a good teaching, you'll get some good preaching. Less than 5% of all pastors polled in the United States of America felt a calling or a gift for leadership. So here's what I wanna tell you. One of the differentiators in our church is there is a leadership anointing on this house to lead your life, to lead your marriage, to lead your family. And it's a gift. And I want to say that. And I don't want to say that patting myself on the back. I want to say giving all glory and honor to God because today I'm going to speak to you out of that gift in the midst of a world that desperately needs leadership. How many of you think we need some leadership in our world today? I mean, isn't that the truth? So with that said, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm calling this Come Home to the Kingdom and how to develop a kingdom mindset, a kingdom mindset. Isaiah uh, chapter two, verses two and three, it's on the screen. Here's what the Bible says. In the last days, 
The mountain of the Lord's house will be the highest of all, the most important place on the earth. Wow, you realize you could be sitting in the most important place on the earth. In your mind, with your own mindset, you might think, well, the most important place on the earth is my house. Uh, The most important place on the earth is my job. The most important place on the earth is when I get to be with my family. But here's what the Bible says, and that's what we're talking about, a kingdom mindset. The most important place on the earth is the Lord's house. It's the highest above all places. Why? Because as Pastor Sheila already said, according to scripture, the world or the church is not peripheral to the world. In other words, the world is not over here. And then here's the little church, like a little bird, squeak, 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 you know, like trying to make a difference. But the Bible says that the world is peripheral to the church. And so God has put a great mandate on our lives as being a part of his kingdom to understand that our mindsets are very similar in terms of the church and the world, okay? So so not only is there not a church way of thinking, listen, if there was everything I was turned off by, it was church people when I was growing up. And I was a church kid, but I thought those are church people. You know, some of y'all know what I'm talking about. And that's church people. As my church people talk, whatever it is. But, but the reality is God doesn't want you to be a church person. He wants you to be a kingdom person. God doesn't want you to be a church thinker. God wants you to be a kingdom thinker because uh, your mindset is so important. Now, I want you to really hear what I'm gonna say. Just like the, the church is not peripheral to the world, but the world is peripheral to the church, your mindset and how you think is one or, one or two of those things. Your mindset can be peripheral to what's happening in the world and what's happened in your world, and therefore it can determine your mindset, or your mindset can determine what happens in the world. So someone said it like this. I think it was Bertrand Russell, but I think he said this. He said, "The, the reasonable man adapts himself to the world. The unreasonable man adapts the world to himself. I'm the unreasonable man. So too often times, watch this, we take our cues from people. Like we get married and I stop being me, watch this, because I'm taking my cues from you. So if you're not what I want you to be, then I take my cues from you and I stop being the best I could be, which makes our marriage work. Does that make sense? So we take our cues from society. We take our cues. In other words, we, our mindset is shaped by outside forces and God doesn't want that. He wants you to have a kingdom mindset. And so the Bible says this, it will be raised above other hills. What? The house of the Lord. The people from all over the world will stream there to worship. Wait, did the Bible say stream? How many of you have watched an online stream lately? The Bible says in the last days, leave it. Like when I'm pointing at that, that means I want that scripture up there. Like not, I, I don't like want to point it and then it disappear. But it, so, so this means put the scripture back up. So, so see how obedient they are. Thank you guys so much. But, but seriously, in the last days, thank you. People from all over the world will stream there to worship. Isn't that amazing? Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord. There he will teach us his ways and walk in his paths. 
How many of you want to know the ways of God? Come on, and to walk in his paths. You want that for your life? So that's what I'm going to attempt to do today. Just teach you a few minutes and just give you a spiritual perspective on, again, what I believe a kingdom mindset is. And in conjunction with that, why a kingdom mindset is needed in our world today. So if you're with me, say I'm with you. Okay, 1 Corinthians 2, look what scripture says. That is what the scriptures mean when they say, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those that love him. Hey, can I give you some good news today? No matter what's going on in your world, no matter what's going on in the world, no matter what you see, no matter what you can or can't control, no matter what is happening, your eyes haven't seen, your ears haven't heard, it hasn't even entered into your heart yet the great things that God has planned for you. The best is yet to come. I said the best is yet to come. So, so here's what the scripture says. But it was to us that God revealed these things by his spirit. For the Spirit searches out everything and shows us God's deepest secrets. No one can know a person's thoughts except that person's own spirit. And no one can know God's thoughts except God's own spirit. And we have received God's spirit. Everybody put an amen on that. Not the world's spirit, so we can know the wonderful things that God has freely given us. When we tell you these things, we don't use words that come from human wisdom. Instead, we speak words given to us by the spirit, using the spirit's word to explain spiritual truths. But people who aren't spiritual can't receive these truths from God's spirit. It sounds like foolishness to them. They can't understand it. For only those who are spiritual can understand what the spirit means. Those who are spiritual can evaluate things, but they themselves cannot be evaluated by others. For who can know the Lord's thoughts? Who knows enough to teach him? But we understand these things. Listen, here's the good news. Because we have the mind of Christ. So God wants you to have his mind. Our mindsets are shaped in a lot of different ways. Our mindsets are shaped uh, with the family that we grew up in. Our mindsets are shaped by our ethnicity. Our mindset is shaped by the part of the world that we're born into. Our mindsets are shaped by our own experiences and our own limited knowledge. And so the reason we need a kingdom mindset is because if we're gonna be the beneficiary of what God has for us, and not just being a Christian, not just doing more good than you do bad, but actually having a mindset that makes you win. How many of you wanna have a winning mindset? Come on, if we're gonna win in this life, we need a kingdom mindset. And it gives us a perspective on how the world works. So what is a kingdom mindset? Let me just break this down for you. The kingdom is the rule of God. The territory governed by God, the realm in which God's will, God's purposes, God's plans, and God's desires are fulfilled. That's the kingdom of God. Jesus said this in Matthew 6, he said, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness or his way of doing things and all these other things will be added unto you. So it's up to you to put the kingdom of God first in your heart, not to put your own family first, not to put your own business first, not to put your own your own life first, but to say, you know what? I'm gonna seek first the kingdom of God where the rule of God happens, where the territory is governed by God, where the realm is where God's will and God's purposes and God's plans and desires can be fulfilled. But what's a mindset? This is pretty simple, but let's look at it. A mindset, guys, put it on the screen, please. 
A mindset is a focused mental attitude or disposition by design or by default that predetermines or decides in advance a person's responses to and interpretations of situations. So why is your mindset so important? Your mindset is so important because your mindset determines what kind of attitude that you're gonna have. And my attitude, watch this, my, my inner position that I take about my marriage, my inner position that I take about, about my family, my inner position that I take about my job, inner position I take about my money, the inward position that I take about everything is either determined by default or by design and that mindset predetermines how I interpret what happens in the world. So this is very important. So we've got to combine the kingdom, the rule of God, God's territory with our mindset. Now, considering these definitions, we can define a kingdom mindset as, listen very carefully now, a focused mental attitude or disposition ruled by God. How many of you would say, as much as you can know, I want my life ruled by God. Come on, do you want that in your life? I want my, so, so a kingdom mindset says, my disposition is to be ruled by God, governed by his perspective, his will, his purposes, his plans, his desires. Now this is a big deal that predetermines and decides in advance a person's responses to and interpretations of situations. So, so if you don't have a kingdom mindset, then you're left to your own mindset. And that's what we see in the world today. We see a world full of people's, their, their own mindsets. And why a kingdom mindset is, is so important is so that we can put things in perspective as it relates to what the word of God says. So breaking it down into three components, the kingdom mindset is to, is to have a focused mental attitude or a disposition by design. Here's how I decide to be. So every morning, uh, I see my friend Todd. Todd, great to, great to have you here. Todd, every morning, here's how I start my morning. We understand, Jenny, good to see you. We understand that our routines are important, right? Like we understand that. I see you, I follow you uh, on Instagram. And Todd, I see you get up. I, when I see you get up like three, wait, he's working at 317. Like the reason I saw it is because at 317, I hadn't gone to bed yet. I'm thinking that guy's up working out. I'm gonna let him take this shift I'm gonna sleep. All right, so now here's the truth. Those of us, especially that care about our, our bodies physically, okay, we understand how important consistency is. We, we understand how important mindset is. We understand that that dictates everything that we do. So every day, here's what I do. And I've done this since I was about 15 years old, since 1975. The first thing that comes out of my mouth when my eyes open and I say it out loud, this is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. I don't say I will rejoice if everything goes good. I predetermine my day by saying I will rejoice, this is the word of God, and be glad at it. The second thing that comes out of my mouth out loud is I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And the third thing I say is good morning, precious. I call myself precious. Now, can I be honest with you? I'm the only person in the world that calls me precious. I've never known anybody that's called me precious. I call her precious because she is precious. She's pastor precious. If you meet Sheila, you're gonna, you're gonna think she is one of the most precious people you've ever met. You meet me, you may not think that. And, and, and there's a lot of reasons for that. Um, but, but one of the reasons for that is because sometimes as a dad, sometimes as a leader, sometimes as um, uh, an employer, 
Sometimes I have to say some things that need to be said that don't make me very precious. But I'm responsible to say those things, all right? So, so again, what is it in your mindset that is predetermining your day? What is it in your mindset that's determining the attitude that you'll face that day with so that no matter what comes that day, you've already decided here's who I am, here's who God is, and here's how I'm gonna be. The Bible says in Isaiah 43, four, and this is where I found this, since you are precious in my sight, I have loved you. Therefore will I give people for thee and nations for your inheritance. So the fourth thing I do every morning, now most of the time she's up by the time I get up, but whether she is or isn't, I find her and I say, good morning, precious. Now let me tell you some magic here. If I don't see myself as precious, how can I call her precious? If I don't understand who I am in Christ, how can I see who she really is in Christ? And so our struggle, watch this, can be not that there's a struggle between us, but maybe some of the struggle I'm having with her is because of how I see myself. So we'll come back to that. So again, a mindset, a kingdom mindset is a focused mental attitude or disposition by design. Secondly, it is ruled by God, governed by his perspective. Thirdly, it predetermines and decides in advance a person's responses and interpretations to situations. Does anybody besides me, have you observed this about humanity? There's some people that live on such the edge, they're waiting for somebody to put their knee on somebody's neck just so they can be mad. Listen to me. I'm not minimizing the wrongness of that situation. I'm saying there's some people that it's like they're a powder keg, like they're waiting, something happens, and then they go crazy because of the injustice or whatever it is. And what happens in life is so oftentimes the devil knows, now let's make it real personal, what your triggers are. He knows what's going to get you off kilter. He knows what's going to send you there. He knows what's going to make you jump off the cliff. And that's what the enemy knows too. So why do you think the same thing keeps coming around? You see, more than God wants to fix that, whatever that is, he wants to fix you. So that you're different when that happens. Whatever that is. I've said this the last few weeks and I want to say it again with a kingdom mindset. Don't think your country is going to be any better than your family. Don't think your country is going to be any better than your marriage. Don't think your country is going to be any better than you are. Don't whine, gripe, and complain how things are out there when you don't have it all fixed here yet. How many of you realize there's some stuff we got to get fixed in here, right? So what's important is in order to effectively partner with God in carrying out his kingdom agenda for our lives, we need to have a kingdom mindset. We need to have a focused mental attitude and disposition by design, not by default, being proactive, not reactive. In other words, not, not when something happens, well, I react. When, I, when something bad happens, I react. I, I, I flip back to my BC days, before Christ days. So think about this for a moment. How can we even begin to be effective disciples and co-workers for God in carrying out his kingdom agenda if our minds are not focused and predisposed to his kingdom mindset and will in the situations that we encounter in the earth? So listen very carefully to this. Jesus, 
When he was baptized by John the Baptist, he comes up out of the water and here is what happens. Some of you remember this in scripture. There was a voice from heaven that spoke. It was God. He said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Now hear him. The next thing that's recorded in the Bible is what Jesus said, that God said, hear what he says. And here's what he said. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is within your grasp. Let me say that a different way. Let me give you the the biblical interpretation. Let me give you the Greek. Change your mindset because the kingdom of God is within your grasp. Repent doesn't mean say, I'm sorry. Hey ladies, let me talk to you for a minute. Your man messes up, however he messes up. And he says, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry, baby. I'm sorry I did that. Okay, I forgive you. Then he does the same thing the next day. And he comes back and he repents. Hey, I'm sorry I did that. Are you wanting to hear him say, I'm sorry? I'm just talking to the ladies for a minute. Are you, wanting, are you wanting to hear him say, I'm sorry again for the same thing he keeps doing? You see, repentance, listen very carefully, is not saying I'm sorry. Repentance is changing your mind and deciding I'm gonna be different from the inside out because I have pre-decided that I'm gonna set my mind on things above and not on things beneath. Do you receive that? Do you get that? So it's very important. So we think repentance is, oh God, I'm sorry. Thank you, man, I'm forgiven. I shouldn't have done that. God goes, I appreciate that. Hey, thank you, thank you. Thank you for saying you're sorry. But just like in your marriage, just like in your life, until you change your mindset that changes your behavior, nothing's gonna change. So Luke 17, verse 20 and 21. One day the Pharisees asked Jesus, when will the kingdom of God come? Jesus replied, the kingdom of God cannot be detected in visible signs. You won't be able to say, hey, here it is, or hey, it's over there, for the kingdom of God, listen y'all, is already in you. The kingdom of God is already in you. Like, how many of you know Christ? You know Jesus? Let me just see your hands. Like, you've made a decision for Jesus. Now, if you haven't, I'm not saying that to embarrass you. You know, but here's what I'm telling you. You don't know about the kingdom if you don't make Jesus the king, Lord of your life. So that's how you get an open door to the kingdom. But then watch this. We're converted. God, God changes us from the inside out. But listen very carefully. For the rest of our lives, we have to understand how the kingdom works. Hey, Y'all listen, when little Precious and I got married, um, on July 9th, 1983, was that a great day? I mean, we were standing there, bridemaids' dresses catching on fire, all kind of chaos going on. You remember that? How great that was? You remember our, you remember our honeymoon? Hey, listen. The Sheraton Grand, some of y'all don't know about the Sheraton Grand, but it had just opened up at DFW Airport. I rented like the suite with the winding staircase, the whole thing. We're 23 years old. We go in there. I was so, listen, y'all, I, we, we dated for eight and a half years. I was like a bull in a china cabinet. I was like, okay, just control yourself. Like, you know, you, you're going to have her for the rest of your life. And she's, she's got to be able to make it through the night. Anyway, I know there's children here, but here's, here's the thing. It's like, I thought in my mind, like, here's what I thought. I thought in my mind, okay, this is going to be a perfect night. So I said, hey, listen, are, she goes, I'm a little bit hungry. I go, 
well, she goes, can we order room service? I go, well, yeah, but okay, yeah, yeah, okay. So we called to order room service. We turned on the TV, brand new room. It blew up, I promise. Blew up, smoke's coming out. I went, oh my goodness, television blew up. So after I'd ordered my food, I called down. I said, hey, I know this is a new room. They go, yeah, nobody's ever stayed in it. The TV just blew up. Okay, we'll send a serviceman up there. I go, okay, this is my honeymoon night, y'all. So, so anyway, we wait and wait and wait. I promise you, Mike, Sheila, I'll just ask you, how much time passed from the time the TV guy got there and our food? How long was it? A couple of hours on my honeymoon night. Listen, I was a little bit like TV guy says, like, look, it's over there. I need you to fix this. I need you to fix it fast. I mean, you know, I, 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 just, give me, in fact, just give me a new TV. Don't work on it. Just roll another one in here. The food shows up. We eat. Here's, here's my point. While we were waiting, the air conditioner went out. In the state of Texas on July 9th, Sheraton Grand, you owe me about a year of rooms. Anyway, then the next morning we got up and we were gonna go to our dream trip Hawaii. Sheila, remember that? We got to Hawaii, they lost our luggage. This is how a honeymoon, a, a match made in heaven begins. Here's my point. When you stand at the altar, listen to me, and you say, I will, I do, I love you. Always and forever. Each moment with you. It's gonna be like a dream come true. But remember, there's me too. And I know tomorrow will still be the same. Cause we'll spend a life of love. It won't ever change. This old church song. Angel. Every day, love me your own special way. Melt all my heart away with a smile. Take time to tell me. Okay, enough of that, because here's the thing. When I said yes and she said yes, that's how it started. And it's been tough ever since. And you think at some point, like, it's not, you know, it's gonna get easier. And then somebody loses their job. And then you gotta move out of that house. And then one of your kids goes AWOL. And then maybe somebody decides to act unbecoming and you can't tolerate that, and the marriage ends. Here's my point. Life is like the kingdom because it's one thing to put a ring on it. It's one thing to say it. It's another thing to fight for what you believe can happen. And your mindset really does matter. Your mindset really does matter. So why is it important to develop a mindset? Now, listen, y'all, I already told y'all this, but I'm taking my pastor hat off. I'm gonna talk to you as a spiritual leader now, so stay with me. If you're with me, say, I'm with you. you. Your mindset determines your ideology. 
Why is your mindset important? Because it determines your ideology. Now, you, don't, you may not understand what, what I'm saying yet, but just stay with me for a second because I want you to see this. Now, here's the ideal, okay? Now, God wants you to have ideals. He wants you to think, what is an ideal marriage? What is an ideal family? What is an ideal job? What is an ideal boss? What are ideal employees? What are ideal children? What's an ideal vacation? What's an ideal life? What's this now? What's an ideal country? Then there's this other thing called reality. And I'm just telling you, before 24 hours passed, Steve, reality had set in. There's going to be some problems in our marriage. And I had nothing to do with it at this time. But watch this. It could have, and it may have even, I don't know if it did that night. Did it affect my attitude? No, because I was like laser focused, wasn't I? Yeah, that's true. Okay, so, but here's my point. Things that were out of my control were messing up. You only have one honeymoon. So let me tell you this. You only have this day. So you have to decide, how am I going to pre-decide a predisposition of my mindset? How am I going to face whatever happens? This is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice. I will be glad in it. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And by the way, because I'm a son of God, I'm precious in his sight. And there's nothing that we'll face that is impossible in Jesus' name. So, so here's the ideal. Watch this. Here's the ideal and here's the reality. So, so... So your mindset determines your ideology. So what is ideology? Guys, put it on the screen, please. An ideology is a combination of two Greek words, idea, which means ideas, and logos, which means science. Thus, an ideology means a science of ideas. Ideology is a set of beliefs, ideas, or values which direct our goals. So based on my ideal, watch this. I set goals, I have dreams, all this stuff, but then there's this reality. Everybody has a specific aim in life. To achieve the aim, a set of ideas provides guidance. Similarly, in collective life of a group or a nation or people, they struggle collectively in light of common thinking. That collective thinking is called the ideology of a nation. So let me just, let me just nail this down as it relates to each one of us. Most people's truth is attached to their reality. It's not the truth at all. It's based on the reality of their life. So really hear what I just said. So you hear people say, I just gotta speak my truth. This is my truth. No, your truth is not the truth. My truth is not the truth that matters. You know what the truth is that matters? You shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. That's a kingdom mindset. But watch this. People are famously, especially in our country, are saying, I'm gonna just declare my truth. And I'm gonna speak my truth. The problem with that, it's based on an ideal that they have that they're not living and based on their reality, they establish their truth. And the truth is not based on this. The truth is based on what's either right or wrong in their life. That's an ideology. So in the United States of America, stay with me. In November, 2016, the baton was about to be passed to the next president, Donald Trump. 
And Barack Obama said these words. Now I'm gonna reveal this to you because some of you have missed this because you think it's about Republican or Democrat. You think it's about conservative and liberal. But listen, I'm talking about ideology now, so stay with me. Remember, I'm teaching you as a spiritual leader, not just as a pastor. So really hear me. Obama said this, President Obama said this. I don't think he's ideological. I think ultimately he is a a pragmatist. Now, that just went in one ear and out the other in most people's mind. But some of you cannot figure out what in the hell, heaven or heck, Donald Trump's doing. Why would he decide that? Why would he say that? Why would he do that? Why would he do that? And I'm not here to justify this or that or anything else. I'm here to talk to you about ideology. Because we are way past Republican and Democrat in this country. We are way past conservative and liberal in this country. Here's where we are. We are facing an ideological warfare. That's what we're facing. And watch this, it's, it's, it's based on man's mindset and not a kingdom mindset. And so the war that's going on is a very spiritual war based on people's ideals. Yeah, okay. By the way, let's talk about Marxism and socialism just for a second, just for a second. Karl Marx had this idea and the idea that he had was, hey, let's have a society where everybody's equal. So there's the bourgeoisie, some of y'all going back now with me in high school, and there's the proletariat. There's the rich and there's the poor. So Karl Marx somehow in his mind, he developed what was called a conflict theory called Marxism that said, we gotta have the rich and we gotta have the poor, but everybody needs to be equal. So we need to take from the rich and give to the poor. That developed into a society called socialism. Socialism is where everybody somehow is equal. And so you got in, in, the, in, the, in the so-called political world, but it's not really a political world, it's an ideological world. You've got a Bernie Sanders who says, hey, I'm about a socialism democracy, way of democracy, but I'm about a capitalist economy. Listen very carefully, because some of you don't understand what's going on. We need a capitalist economy because we've got to take money from somebody to give money to people who don't have money. It's not about Democrat or Republican. Some of you don't know this, but Donald Trump was a Democrat until 2008. He was a Democrat. Those Republicans, those conservatives, no, 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 no. You you need to understand something. You go back to in his 30s, somebody said, you think you'll ever run for president? Barbara Walters asked. No, I don't think so because people are so mean and I'll have to be mean if I get into politics. He's done a pretty good job of being mean. But he knew that's what he would have to do if he was gonna get into that mean world of what's this, not Republican and Democrat, but ideologies. When Jesus walked in with a whip into the temple and he drove the money changers out, people go, where's the love? Where's the love in that? You know what he was driving out? Not religion, but ideologies that were against the kingdom mindset. Really hear what I'm saying? So I'm teaching you. 
Now this is your life, but this is our country. There is an ideal in America, there's a reality. So Marxism has an ideal that there's a utopia, that's what it's called, the utopia. And somehow, some, somehow let's have a society where everybody's equal. So in Seattle and Portland, where they're burning Bibles and burning the American flag, and not in the name of Democrat or Republican, not in the name of conservative or, or liberal, but in the name of an ideology, in Seattle, where they just charged everybody now who makes $150,000 or more, 2.4% on their tax because of, the, of the, the devastation that's happened in Seattle. So they got to get the money from somewhere. It just happened. It's not Democrat or Republican. Y'all listen to me. It's an ideology that you're rich. I'm not. I want what you've got and you need to give it to me. That's the reality of it. So now let's break it down to our personal lives. Based on your ideal, all of your expectations all of your expectations land somewhere between the ideal marriage, the ideal life, the ideal business, and the reality of what it is. Our expectations are set there. So, so what happens, buddy and Vicki, who are our marriage pastors in marriage? What happens is people get divorced, not because they fall out of love, but because of unmet expectations. It's not a love issue a lot of times, it's unmet expectations. Those unmet expectations turn into unrealistic expectations. Why? Because I thought it was gonna be this way, but you weren't that way. So the next question is, were you? The ideal didn't work, did it? The reality established the truth and the truth is I can't do this. Now there's an expectation, so watch this. From our expectations stem all of our frustrations. Anything you're frustrated about right now, anybody besides me, I'm frustrated. Anybody besides me is frustrated about something right now that you're seeing in your life or in your business? All of our frustrations stem, watch this now, from our expectations. So not only that, but out of our expectations, watch this, come all of our disappointments. Dang it. Don't you hate to be disappointed? It's like when I'm disappointed based on my expectation, watch this, then I get disillusioned. This can't work. This can't work, I'm sorry about my writing, but anyway, so from my expectation come all of my frustration. Are you frustrated today? Just be honest with yourself. Are you disappointed about somebody or something today? Are you disillusioned about something? Because here's, you have to go backwards. What, where, where's my expectations coming from? They're coming somewhere between my ideal of what I want in my life and what I want in my marriage, what I want in my finances and the reality of what it is. The danger is based on my reality, Karl Marx, I established what's called Marxism. At the same time, Marxism was hitting the world. A guy by the name of Frederick Nietzsche came onto the scene and began to talk about individualism. Today we have what's called moral relativism because of Frederick Nietzsche's teaching. I quote Frederick Nietzsche. Frederick Nietzsche says this, he says, hey, if, it, if, it's, if it's not strong enough to kill you, you know, if, it, if, it, if, it, if, it, if it can't kill you, it'll make you stronger. So if it doesn't kill you, it'll make you stronger. So it's not that all of his philosophy was bad. The problem is, according to people's reality, 
truths are established that people live according to what they say is their truth. They set their expectations somewhere between their disappointment, their frustration, their disillusionment, and what the reality is in their life. And then you've got a guy like a Donald Trump who comes along and he's a pragmatist. What in the heck is that? Pragmatism, I won't go into the history of it, but it was actually the only philosophy that was ever developed in the United States of America. You go back to the turn of the 19th century and you find a guy, C.H. Pierce, again, I won't go into all the history, but, but he, he said, you know what? Let's look at life pragmatically. Where does the word pragmatic come from? The Bible. Where is it in the Bible? There was a servant, the Bible, or a, a king rather, that had 10 servants and he assigned them a task. He gave to one servant, he gave 10 minus. To another servant, he gave five. To another, he gave one. This is recorded in Luke 19 and Matthew 25. He said, I'm gonna go away. And when I return, he said, I wanna see what you did with, with my business, my money, my resources that I gave you to build the family business. So do business, the, the Greek word there is, that t- turns into English business is do things pragmatically. So Todd, back to you. Have you ever tried things in your business that didn't work? Have you ever hired somebody that didn't work out? <laughs> Isn't it a great day when somebody that you hired that didn't work out walks out of the door? Isn't it great when you, you tried something that didn't work and you stopped doing it? You know what would be insane? In fact, it would be very unpragmatic. If you were doing business a certain way and you weren't making a profit and you kept doing it, that's a pragmatist. So when you see Donald Trump, and again, I'm just giving you some insight. I'm not, I'm not saying positive or negative, but when you see somebody, understand the previous president of the United States said this, the first time in history, there's gonna be a man in public office that's not a, pub, a politician, he's a pragmatist. And he's not just gonna listen to what everybody else says and he's not bringing a bunch of ideology to the table. This is Barack Obama, but he's bringing a pragmatic solution. And here's what he said, word for word. It's probably, he's probably gonna do pretty well. He's probably gonna do pretty well as it relates to the economy and that kind of thing. He's probably gonna do it. So listen, listen, I'm not here. I'm not here to promote politics. I'm here to tell you, this is what we have in our world today. You need a kingdom mindset. Otherwise, your ideology is gonna be what you live by. And your ideology, here's the second thing, determines your narrative. How many of you know there's a lot of narratives floating around right here? You, you know what a narrative is? Let's take a look at it. Look at it real quick. A narrative is a story that connects and explains a carefully selected set of supposedly true events, experiences, or the like intended to support a particular viewpoint or thesis. So really hear me. We need a kingdom mindset because out of our mindset comes our ideology. Out of our, our, out of our ideology comes the narrative that we paint. Now this is the big one, number three. Out of our narrative comes our story. (sighs) Is this too much for y'all? Listen to this. All the stories you tell yourself have one thing in common, your perspective. Every story you tell someone is a story you've told to yourself. Now this is the kicker. 
All emotional pain that is chronic in our lives is a result of not what actually happened to us, but the story we have told ourselves about what happened to us. So the stories we tell ourselves are more important than what anyone could ever tell us. Stories are powerful because stories happen in time, but become timeless as we tell them over and over and over to ourselves and others. If you continue, listen now, in emotional chronic pain, it's because of something that happened in your past. It's not because of that. It's because of the story you keep telling yourself about what happened. So many of the stories that we tell become myths. They're myths because we blame people for what happened based on the feelings and not the facts. You say, what's happening in America right now? The narrative. The narrative based on what? The story that's being told based on an ideology, not Republican, not Democrat, not conservative, not liberal, not black, not white, but mankind's mindset that now is an ideology, not the word of God, not a kingdom mindset, but an ideology. And the thing I appreciate about the wisdom of Barack Obama, and might I say one of the many things, is that he was wise enough to know that the next guy wasn't gonna be like any guy that had ever been in the White House before. Because here's what a pragmatic does, listen to me. They do business to get results. They pragmatically look at something and go, if that's not working, we're not doing it. WHO, we're not doing it. United Nations, we're not doing it. People go, what in the world? He's lost his mind. And what happens to people, listen, is they don't realize you're not watching a Republican or a Democrat and you're not even watching an ideologue. What you're watching is somebody that's trying to lead in his own mind to get results. And if it doesn't get results, let's stop doing it. Let's change the course of direction and let's fix the problem. Politicians don't think like that. I can tell you that. So change your story, change your life. Everybody say that with me. Change my story, change my life. So again, I'm gonna end this by saying this. We need a kingdom mindset for this reason. It's a mindset that's ruled by God, not ruled by CNN, not altered by what Fox says, not altered by who's in the White House and who's not, not altered by an ideologue or a pragmatist. But we need a kingdom mindset because we in this room live under the rule of God. And so we gotta find out, okay, how do, I, how do I make my mindset line up with what God wants for my life? And how can I predispose myself, take a position before something happens that I will get through no matter what happens because I've already decided before the storm hits, here's what I'm gonna do when I have a storm. So your ideology determines your narrative, your narrative determines your story, and your story determines, this is the big one, your identity, who you are as a person. So one last scripture, but I wanna say this last thing. There's a lot of people running the streets, burning Bibles, burning, burning flags, a lot of people saying this nation can't transform it and it just needs to be torn down. I want, to, I want to say unequivocally, and I, I actually posted this 
uh, last night on Instagram. And uh, if, I, if I can, I just want to say one thing about our country before I read this last scripture. A man by the name of Alex Day Tocqueville came to the United States of America as a Frenchman researching for a book that he was writing called The Democracy in America. Alex, Alexis rather, this is his name, Alexis, de, de Tocqueville came to America specifically to study the prison system because he heard the prison system in America was better than any prison system in the world. You wouldn't think that. That's what he heard. So he came here and he stayed longer than he thought he was going to stay. And this is a direct quote from him. Listen to this. He said, I sought for the greatness and genius of America in her commodious harbors and her ample rivers, and it was not there. In her fertile fields and boundless forest, and it was not there. In her rich mines and her vast world commerce, and it was not there. In her democratic Congress and matchless constitution, and it was not there. You see, I sought for the greatness and genius of America, and I did not find it until I went into its churches and heard from, the, from her pulpits aflame with righteousness, then and only then did I understand that the secret and the greatness and the genius of the power of America is America is great because America is good. And he attached that to the role of the church in the United States of America. In the 19th century, the number one book, you can research it yourself, was called Democracy in America. And yet for many, many people today who don't have a kingdom mindset and they're left to their own ideology, they're left to their own political views, they're left to their own conservative or, or um, uh, liberal viewpoints that are based on their ideologies. For many people, listen, if you don't have a kingdom mindset, you're gonna get stuck. And the reason you're gonna get stuck is because you're gonna have to take this side or that side. And I'm just telling you, God doesn't want you to take a side. God wants you to have a kingdom mindset. And God wants you to live your life and your marriage and your finances and your business and everything as unto the glory of God. So what is my identity? Listen very carefully. Again, how do I get to the point of my identity? Ideology leads to narrative. My narrative tells the story. The story that I tell determines what my identity is. Here's what the Bible says, 2 Corinthians 5. It seems like we're crazy. You ever feel like you're crazy? Come on, y'all be honest with me. I know some of y'all think you're very, you're solid, but I felt crazy before. But he says, if we're in our right minds, it is for your benefit. Either way, Christ's love controls us. And since we believe that Christ died for all, we also believe that we have all died to our old life. He died for everyone so that those who would receive his new life would no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ who died and raised for them. So we have to stop evaluating others from a human point of view. 
At one time we thought Christ merely, we thought of Christ merely from a human standpoint. But how differently we know him now. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. Put an amen on that. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. And all this is a gift of God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of, re of reconciliation. So so we are Christ's ambassadors. In other words, we are God's representatives in America. We are God's representatives in the world. We are God's representatives of how kingdom people should live their life. And finally, here's what it says. God is making this appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead. Come back to God. Homecoming, everybody, come on. For God made Christ who never sinned to be an offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ. Come on, put an amen on that. I want you to bow your heads just for a second. Holy Spirit, I just pray that you would take these words of mine and you would put your power with it. God, we see so much ideology in the world today. We, we kind of boil it down to Republican or Democrat. We boil it down to black and white. We boil it down to conservative and liberal. And we have all of our boxes that we put everything into. And it's based on our own identity. That again is based on the story we tell ourselves. That again is based on the narrative. That again is based on the ideology. But God, as we come boldly before you today, because that's what you've called us to do, we lay down our way and we embrace your way. Come on, would you just do that right now? Just say, God, I lay down my way and I embrace your way, your way of life, what you want for my life. The Bible says we've all sinned, we've missed the mark. But if we ask God to forgive us that he's faithful and just to do it and to give us a new way of thinking, being and doing in life. And if you're here, whether you've ever made Jesus Christ Lord of your life or not, I just wanna invite you one last time to put your hand on your heart with me and pray this from your heart, but say this with me out loud. Just say, dear Heavenly Father. Come on, everybody, say it with me. Say, dear Heavenly Father, thank you for loving me. Thank you for your word, the Bible that is a manual for my life. Help me like never before to have a kingdom mindset that transcends the way I was raised, that transcends what I think. But God, I want your way and not mine. God, thank you for loving me, for sending your son Jesus to die on a cross for me so I could be free. Lord Jesus, come into my heart and be the Lord of every area of my life. Thank you for speaking to me. In your name I pray, amen. Amen. God bless you. Thank you. Thanks for listening. Make sure you subscribe to our channel on iTunes and YouTube. That way you know when a new sermon has been uploaded. Also, if this message has impacted you and you want to contribute to help us reach more people, feel free to go to elevate.life forward slash give. We look forward to seeing you here next time.